Today we conclude our study on a peculiar people. Somebody read that definition that's up top on your study sheet there. Dustin. Peculiar, special. Particularly. Oh, wow. That's all good. One's own property belonging to a person in him only. And for the last, goodness, four weeks now, both on Sundays and Wednesdays, we've been taking a look at people throughout the New Testament that were just that. They were particularly special, not necessarily because of the talents and the gifts that they possessed, but because of the fact that they themselves were possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. They came to a point in their lives where they realized that this life was not their own, that Jesus Christ bought and paid for their lives with His own blood, and that they lived every single day, every single moment, wanting to give Him glory by letting Him live His life through them. And if we want to be peculiar people, like the Bible says all throughout, not only in Titus chapter 2, but look at the very bottom of your study sheet. 1 Peter 2.9. Can I get a reader to read that out loud? <clears throat> Don't all jump at once. Sam, me. <laughs> But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the graces of him who have called you out of darkness into his darkness. You know what peculiar people are? They're people who came out of darkness and into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ and into the light of His Word. They're going to let that light shine in a dark place. So I saw it fitting, though I didn't set out to do this with this little mini-series, you know, typically after camp, I know in years past we typically had a, a, uh, an update or a, another look at our vision as far as who we are as solid and what does it mean to shine our light in darkness. And we look at the mission statement. I know that we've done that in years past. And I didn't set out to do that because, well, if you guys were here back in, what, February and March when I first started teaching, I kind of started with that to kind of recap and to look at the history of Solid and to look at who are we now as Solid. But I saw it fit just with everything going on right as we're starting school and we're getting ready to start these new studies coming up here to close out this series by looking again at us as peculiar people because we have been called out of darkness to shine forth His marvelous light. And it's going to be kind of just a nice little bow, a conclusion, a recap, if you will, on everything we've looked at over the last four weeks. So in letter A, we see our mission is to what? Thank you for all two who know our mission. In point number one, we see, and again, this might be recap for some of you guys who were here back in February, March, but man, lots happened since then. I needed to be reminded of this too. The response to darkness has always been what? Who wants to try their hand at filling in the blank? What's been the response to darkness all throughout time? Ever since going back to Genesis chapter 1, Jack? Light. Light. Always. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what happened right after that in verse 3? God said, let there be light. The response to darkness has always been light. And then a parallel passage in John chapter 1, if you want to put that down, verses 1 to 9, talks about how Jesus Christ, the Word of God, when darkness was upon this world, He came onto the scene. God came down here on earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and He let His light shine in this dark place. You and I are called to do the exact same thing when we are born again. The response to darkness has always been light. 
to finish out that point there. And it's to give perspective of where we've been and to see where we're going. Because what does Psalm 119 say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God lets me see where my surroundings are right now. How is my current walk with God? Who are my closest friends? Do those friends push me closer to Christ or farther away from Christ? Where am I right now and where did I just come from? And now as I hold that light out, I can see clearly where I'm going. It's now a light for my path. That's what it should be for us. That's how we shine our light in darkness. You know, again, there was a, a phrase that I had mentioned that very first message, and it keeps coming back again and again all throughout this past year. It's quantum physics. It's quantum mechanics. Darkness, nothing creates darkness. Darkness just is. Darkness always has been. Light, the particles of light absorb. It, it consumes darkness. It eats it away. It eradicates it. It gets rid of it. There is darkness all around this world. It just is. Nothing creates it. You guys go to schools every single day and you're surrounded by darkness. It just is. Your light, and whether or not you choose to hide that light under a bushel or not, will eradicate that darkness. Darkness can't, it doesn't work the other way around. You going to your schools, you being in the homes that you find yourselves in, you being surrounded by ungodly lost people, they are not going to eat away at your light. That's not how it works. Light eats away at darkness, not the other way around. So if your light is going dim, if your light is starting to vanquish, if it's going to be quenched, it's because you have let it. Because you're hiding under a bushel. That's not the way it was supposed to ever be. If you just trust God and you step out and you live your life as a born-again Bible believer, disciple of Christ, your light will shine. There's nothing particularly special you have to do other than just let Him live His life through you and be a peculiar person. Talking about where we've been and where we're going, we need to always remember our testimony and what God has done in us and through us, particularly with camp and how God used those things, your camp commitments, and following it through with VBS. And for some of you in here, how God took that and stretched it even further with Mexico and now going back into school. Where have you been and where are you going? You remember that story in Numbers 13 where God finally delivered the Israelites out of Egypt? And saying, like, I'm going to give you this land. It's yours. Go and take it. And they send out 12 spies. And out of the 12, how many of them come back with a positive report that they know we can take this land? How many? Two. two. Ten negative, two positive. There's two different perspectives there. One group saw the people as grasshoppers. Or rather, they saw themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of giants. That was the 10. That was the negative ones who thought, no, there's no way we can possibly take our Bibles to school. There's no way we can possibly reach the people that are... Our, my friends at school, man, they're too far gone to want anything to do with Christ. That's the, the view. They, they, they thought, man, we're grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. They're going to kill us, man. They're going to just eat us alive. And then you have the two, specifically Mad Dog himself, Caleb, who with Joshua, Jesus, goes and says, uh-uh. They're bread for us. We're going to eat them for lunch because the Lord Jesus Christ is on our side. 
Look what he did in Egypt. Look what he did at the Red Sea. Look what he did with Pharaoh's army. Look with all this, what he did with my sin. Look what he did with these past struggles of mine that I don't struggle with now anymore. Look at what he's did that I could never get through a book of the Bible and now I'm consuming book after book in the Bible. Look at what he's done in my life. I have victories now. Now I know that everything that he's shown so far, he is with me. And if he's with me and he's for me, who can be against me? I'm not locked in this school building with all these lost people who are going to try to eat away at my light. No, no, no. They're locked in here with me and I got a sword. There's no stopping me. Perspective will change whether or not you're going to be a peculiar person. Perspective will determine whether or not you're going to be a peculiar person. Our mission is to shine our light in darkness. Number two, everywhere we go, we are to let Christ take the reins. Everything you have, all of you, and live His life through us so that all may see Him. Real quick, I need a reader for verses 14 to 16. Somebody else. Kendall. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, hmm. and give light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see... It's men who choose to take that light and put it under a bushel. It's men who choose to take the light of the Word of God, the light of Christ in them, and to hide it. Or to let it shine. But verse 16, that's our headline verse of solid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what happens when you do that? You glorify your Father which is in heaven. Everybody know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 in here? Anybody have it memorized? Want to try giving it a shot? All right, I'll give the first word. Four. Anybody know verse 10? For we are God's workmanship, created unto good works. You see, now after you get saved, and it's not of your own works, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. After that grace of God comes upon your life and you receive Christ, now the good works begin. Now you are supposed to live in your life. That's why you were created, to glorify Him, as we just saw in Matthew 5.16. That's what we're to do. And why do we do that? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Why, with our good works, do we let our light shine? For the sake of time, I'm going to read this. Uh, I have verse 4 on there, but we're going to start in verse 3 for context, because this is crucial. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are who? Or what, I should say. Them that are lost. If you hide your light under a bushel, if you choose to let your light be dim... And if you choose to not look at where you are and where you've come from and where you're going, your gospel, it's not going to affect you per se. Who it's really going to affect are the people that are surrounding you that are lost and dying and going to go to hell and perish forever in the eternal lake of fire. That is who it affects. Verse 4. Why are they lost? In whom the God of this world 
lowercase g, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, how do we do that? How do we let that light shine? Verse 5 is absolutely key and critical. And it used to be, many of you guys probably don't know this, our mission statement is towards the end of our study sheet here, but it used to be something else. Our mission statement used to be uh, uh, the purpose of our high school ministry is to honor God with our lives by sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, by serving others, and by obeying God's word to prove our commitment. That was straight up 03. OG. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> Thank you. Verse 5 is where this all comes from. Look at it. For we preach not ourselves. You should be sharing your faith in Christ with others. Your faith in Christ, not yourself, not who you are, not how good you are, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And look how he concludes it. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. We share our faith with others, and we serve others. That's how we let our light shine. Why? Because there's a lost and dying world that's at stake here. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. You realize that it is your destiny, it is your calling to be a peculiar person? That the mundane Christian life of just coming to church every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, dare I say the mundaneness of reading your Bible every day as it can become, that's not supposed to be the Christian life that so many people in churches live today. They go to church where they have a coffee shop in the foyer. And they go and they have 50 to, to 95 minutes of music that jazzes them up, makes them feel good. And then they have a little 15-minute devotional, if it even is in the Bible. It's completely contextually off and completely stewed and just all of this selfish, self-absorbed uh, 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 humanism to try to make man's life better on this earth and has absolutely nothing with making man more godly. That is what is surrounding your other Christian friends. It was never supposed to be that way. You were always supposed to be a peculiar person. You were always supposed to shine your light out of darkness, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because everywhere we go, we're to let Christ take the reins. And it started that way since your salvation. I've been mentioning it again and again and again. I think it's going to be an ongoing theme for the rest of this year. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. The moment you, choose to you chose to receive Christ as your Savior, you became crucified with Him. What happened after Christ got crucified? He died. That wasn't a trick question. I am crucified with Christ. If you're crucified with Christ, you're dead. Your old life, you died. Your old, your old wants, your old desires, they died. We're still in the body of this flesh, so sometimes they creep back in. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, oh, don't miss this phrase. I live by the faith of my own. It's my faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's interesting. Tim Finley was in here just a little bit ago. He's teaching right now, finishing out his Hebrew study, and he told me that he's talking about a peculiar people today as well. 
Can't wait to see how this works into what Tom's going to be preaching on. But he even mentioned, he's like, just the idea that the faith, uh, faith that we have, it's the faith of the Son of God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's faith. Christ himself had faith. How did he have faith? By submission, submitting to God the Father. We looked at this this past Wednesday. Nothing that Jesus did was of his own volition. He did everything that the Father wanted him to do. You live your life that way, you will be a peculiar person. When you say, hey, I want to do this with my free time, I want to do this with extracurricular activities, I want to do this after high school, that's what I want, but Lord, what do you want? You will be peculiar. Because it's not your faith. It's His faith because it's His life that He's supposed to be living through us. Why? Because He loved you and gave Himself for you. Letter B, our purpose drives how we're going to accomplish that mission. We believe we're here for such a time as this to be not just a group, but a what? Ministry. If we're a group, we're wasting time. I love hanging out with you guys. It's funny. Like I, most, most of Heather and I's conversations now are about you guys. Like, I can't remember, and honey, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember the last time we've had a conversation where it's just, we were even talking about this the other day, where it's just, hey, what's going on with us? It's been about you guys. And I love it. I remember being at a campfire, going into my sophomore year, realizing that I wasted and burned two years of my saved Christian life not serving him. And I remember sitting at a campfire, hearing and watching as God is forming my youth group into a youth ministry before my very eyes. And I remember, I remember the moment. I'm right there right now. I can still see it. I remember the moment where I thought to myself, I want nothing more except this the rest of my life. And I'm finally back there now. Took me a while. But I'm finally here where most of my thoughts throughout the day are consumed about you guys. Like, what are we going to do next? And how can I be praying for you guys more? How can we minister to you guys more? And I'm loving that. But I'm telling you, if we just hang out and keep a group setting, I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting yours. And so are all they back there. We need to be a ministry. And that involves ministering to each other first and foremost. Brotherly kindness. For those of you who are part of our Second Peter study. And then charity. These are things that need to be added to our faith. We're here for such a time as this. We've all been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's what chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians is all about. Now that you're a new creature in Christ, you have a ministry to reconcile your lost friends and family members to the cross of Christ. That is your responsibility. That is your ministry. Here's a venue and an avenue, a way, if you will, to do that, a vehicle. Number two, we believe we are to glorify God by seeing the lost saved and the saved grow. That's our mission statement now. John 15, 8. Again, another verse to be hopefully you're familiar with. Herein is my Father glorified. How? That ye bear much fruit, seeing the lost saved and the saved grow to reach others. So shall ye be my Christians? Disciples. What does a disciple mean? There's a one-word answer. What does a disciple mean? A disciple is a follower. 
a follower. Following implies movement. You cannot follow somebody unless you are walking. If you are not walking with God, if you are not moving where He goes, if you're not moving where this ministry goes, you will fall behind. You will not be a disciple. You will not be a follower of God. Anybody know Matthew 28? Feel like they can try their hand at quoting that? Verse 18 says, we often, we often just quote 19 and 20, but verse 18 is where Christ says, All power is given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. All power. In light of that, what does he tell us to do? Verse 19. Go, ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee, and lo, I am with thee alway, even to the end of the earth. You getting made fun of at school because you carry your Bible with you? You getting made fun of or losing some friends, getting weird looks? It may feel like it, but I'm telling you, that's not the end of the earth. Right. It's not the end of your life. Might be the end of your popularity. Might be the end of you being friends with people. But it's worth it. Don't look back. Number two, application. Out of darkness into His marvelous light. And this is the recap. This is what we've been looking at for the last four weeks. It's not been by happenstance. As I already said, it might have been for me. I was thinking, man, it's cool to look at some of these cool people in the Bible and see how it relates to us. But then, man, I'm like, this kind of brings it all back to our mission and our vision for who we are as a ministry. So letter A, regardless of who you are, where you come from, or what you've done in the past, you are valuable to God and to this ministry. We saw that with Timothy and the rough home life that he had. We saw that with John Mark. Who was he? He was a quitter. He quit. He couldn't muster it. He couldn't toughen it out. But he was valuable and profitable. Saw that with Philemon. Man, he was actually a very faithful servant, we saw. Very faithful. But he still had places of growth that he needed, and areas of growth in his life that he needed to, to surrender to. You know what Ephesians 2, 4 says? But God, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved you. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've come from. doesn't matter what your background is. God is rich in mercy. He's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. And He loves you. The great love wherewith He loved you. That is an understatement if there ever was one. Number or Letter B. You need to be willing to support the ministry with the gifts and personality He's given you and follow through wholeheartedly. Cross out with. I don't know how that got on there. Follow through wholeheartedly. Just be willing to support. We're not going to ask every single one of you to lead a Bible study. We're not going to ask every single one of you to step up and to, to lead a Bible study in your school or to, to, to go up during the next assembly or the next uh, pep rally that you guys did. Do you guys still have pep rallies for sports anymore? 
We're not going to ask you guys to stand up with like, you know, John 3.16 sign and just start going through the law and the Ten Commandments and the Gospel. But man, that'd be awesome if you did. We're not going to ask that of you. We're just going to ask that you are willing to support. Just be willing to be here. Be willing to help out. Be willing. Call somebody. Text people. See how they're doing. Check in on them. But do it with your whole heart. Do it with your whole heart. That's what Timothy was. Remember Timothy and Aquila and Priscilla. The Bible says all throughout them that they, were, they went and they helped this church over here. They supported this church here just in a supporting role. Check out Colossians 3, 23-24. I said this to the graduating seniors on graduation Sunday. And I kind of just started putting this in all of their graduation cards. I love it. Colossians 3, 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it what? Heartily. Hey, those of you guys that are in sports... Do it heartily so that people see there's something different about you, why you play so hard, and then you ask, they ask you, man, there's something different about you. What is it? And you get a chance to tell them, hey, you know what? There's this verse. God says for us to do all things heartily as unto the Lord and not for me. I don't do this for my glory. I don't do this so that you guys can look at me and see how awesome I am as an athlete or as a performer or as a speaker or whatever you're into. No. I do this for the Lord because He's gifted me. And you know what? If you actually want to come out and check out church sometime with me, I get it, man. I hate getting up on Sunday mornings too. Why don't you come on out Wednesday night and you get to kind of see. We actually, I don't know if you've ever been to church, but what's unique about our church is we actually open up the Bible that kind of is a, is a lost art anymore. We open up the Bible and it's like, man, who cares what any man says? Let's just see what the book says. And it's cool because you get to learn things. If you know anything about the Bible, you see how you get to just have a cool conversation with people. And it's not really offensive. It's not really, they're not going to look down at you or anything like that. But how easy it is just to have that kind of dialogue with friends. That's how you let your light shine. That's how you become peculiar. That's how you support the ministry when you do all things heartily as unto the Lord and not unto yourself or other men. We usually just stop there with that verse, but look what verse 24 says. Why do we want to do that? Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. There's going to come a day for everybody in this room who is saved, has a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to stand before your king and give an account for your service one day of how well you did at being peculiar. How well you did at letting that light shine and whether or not you did it unto the Lord or unto men. You might be involved in every single VBS for all time. You might be involved in every single missions trip we do from here on out. But if you do it unto men and not unto the Lord... According to 1 Corinthians 3, that's going to be, God's going to look at that and He's going to see just wood, hay, and stubble. And when the all-piercing, all-consuming eyes of fire, according to Revelation chapter 1, of Christ looks upon that work, it's going to burn up. Because you did it unto men and not unto God. Our job as leaders is to get you to transition most of those things you do over unto the Lord and not unto men. To help you to have that kind of vision and heart attitude towards it. Letter C. Seek to be an encouraging, trustworthy brother, sister in Christ that others in the ministry can go to for help. When Paul started out his letter to Philemon, that's what he said about him. Man, you are that way and the brothers love you. That's what Aquila and Priscilla were. They were helpers. 
in a supporting role, but they were seen as very valuable and they helped the ministry. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Just a couple pages to your right. I love this passage. Oh. Seek to be an encouraging, trustworthy brother or sister in Christ that others in the ministry can go to for help. Ask yourself, am I that right now? Could Ask yourself that literally right now. I'm not just saying that just for the sake of saying it. Ask yourself that. Could anyone in this room come to me? Fill in the blank for you. Can anyone in this room come to me for encouragement and help? And would I be able to provide it? It's a question to ask yourself from time to time. Can others say this about you? Look at verse 3. Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Man, I thought about this passage earlier this week. I was just sitting in my office at home, and uh, I don't know what it was. I, I, I'd already finished the study sheet, but I just was thinking about Pastor Mike Blake in the Maple City Baptist Church out in Monmouth, Illinois. And uh, as I've told you guys before, you know, when Solid first started, we didn't really take mission trips to other countries, but we went over to Maple City and helped them out. There was this big music festival that they had out in the beanstalks of, of Illinois. And uh, it was kind of like a live, only like bigger and more massive. And uh, we'd help them run a Pizza Hut stand. But man, it was missions. It was being in fellowship with a like-minded body of believers. And really, it became a home away from home. It was the very first home away from home I ever had in this youth ministry ever had. And just as I was thinking about Mike, and you know, he's the pastor that spoke at the camp where I got saved. And then again, two years later, when I rededicated my life to Christ. And as I was just thinking about him, I just couldn't help but just spontaneously, spontaneously, I didn't plan it. I just spontaneously broke out into just thanking God for his influence in my life and for his church and all the junk they've been through in the last couple of years and how they've continued to persevere and to get through all of it. And I want that to be said of me and I want that to be said of this ministry. I want it to be said of you, that others can look at you and every time you pop into someone else's mind, they say this and they just spontaneously thank the Lord for your influence in their life. Verse 4, Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. And if you're in here today and you're thinking that God's done with you, look at verse 6 right now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, salvation, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Your story's not over yet. I don't care what you've done, what you've been through, your story is not over yet. God can use you. And he will take the bushel off. Let the light radiate and absorb all of the darkness around you. Let it eradicate it and be peculiar. Letter D, be willing to forgive others in your midst quickly and often. You might want to scribble underline quickly and often. Like, don't just do the one underline. Scribble that sucker. Put a hole in your study sheet. Forgive others quickly and often. Last passage we'll turn to. 
couple pages to your right to Colossians 3. This is going to be the shortest message. We're going to get done earlier than we've ever gotten out before. Thanks for nothing, Andy. Thanks for nothing, Andy. Colossians 3. I want to read it for verse 12 to 13. All right, Dustin, take it. Put on, therefore, as an elect of God, holy and beloved vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another, if any man is quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Man, this entire chapter, you guys should just spend some time writing out and studying and meditating on Colossians chapter 3. He talks about, man, if you're dead, and we are dead, Christ should live his life through us. But we still have this body of flesh that tries to get in the way of us seeking things that are above where Christ sitteth. And setting our affections on things above and not on this earth. We have this flesh that we need to mortify the certain things that get in the way of this body of flesh from keeping us from having an eternal perspective. We need to do that. And there's certain things we got to then put off, like from our mind. We just got to put it off. When it gets in, no, put it off. It's like a hat. When that hat comes on, no, put it off. But then you get to a point during your day, during your morning, as you're getting ready, where you realize, I need to put on. I need to ready myself. I need to think on some things before going on with the rest of my day. And he starts it off with reminding you that you're holy and beloved. And he says that you need to put on these bowels of mercies. You need to be willing to be merciful to others and to have kindness and to be humble. And man, if you have a quarrel with any, forgive them. Because remember, you were once an enemy of God. An enemy of the Holy One of Israel, of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were His enemy. And while you were yet sinners... Christ died for you. Before you were even born, Christ died for you. For the last 2,000 years, still not even born, Christ was dying for you, thinking of you, couldn't wait for the day for you to be born, couldn't wait for the day for you to hear what He did for you so you could receive His dear Son, thinking about you all that time. I think it's Jeremiah where it says that His thoughts for us, they're like the sand of the sea. They're just continual. You can't number the sand of the sea can't number the stars. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He forgave you. Think about this. Think about the moment you got saved and think about all the sins you've committed since then. He knew it. He knows the sins you're going to commit today, sins you're going to commit tomorrow, the rest of this week, and He still loved you and forgave you. Still had mercy on you. And how does this verse end? If any man quarrel with anybody else, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's what Paul's entire letter to Philemon was about. That's what John Mark's life story was. Letter E. Constantly, constantly be looking for opportunities to share your faith in Christ. That's what everybody the last four weeks we looked at was doing. And it was our camp theme. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. You guys are back in the fields now. This was a cool, lofty, and oh, inspirational verse back in June. 
Now you guys are in the fields. You're back on the battlefield now. Have you been looking? Have you lifted up your eyes, or are they still down? Focused on our devices. Focused on, well, I have practice after school, and then after school I have to go hang out with this person, and then after that I have lifting, and then after that I have practice again for this other thing I'm doing, and then after that I have to go hang out with this person again, and lift up. Look. They're ready to harvest. You have a lot of opportunities with the studies that are coming up here. You just got to be looking. Even for Sunday. So the Sunday before that on the 11th, when we start the girls' study, we're going to begin how to study the Bible here on Sunday mornings. And man, I'll tell you what, I love that class. That class radically transformed my life. I get it. I, I put the Roman study on Wednesdays because that's more of the... Um, that's more of the, the evangelistic study. And man, I was the same way. I didn't want to come to church as a kid on Sunday mornings. I wanted to come on Wednesday nights because I could sleep in on Sundays. But I know things are different. I know that you have friends who they don't mind. They'll come to church on Sunday mornings. Invite them out. How to study the Bible is going to be more devotional. It's going to be more practical for us. But I'll tell you what, it'll open the eyes of lost people to see, man, this book's deep. And I can understand it. I can know. Invite them out. Even the girl study. It'll be very, very introspective with our girls here, with just topics that are very, very personal with what we're going through. Gospel's still going to be presented. Invite them out. There might be something that we talk about, not we, you guys talk about, that they're going through. Be looking for opportunities. No, fellas, don't, don't worry. You didn't skirt off easily. We got a guy study we're planning for you. <laughs> Much to Andy's uh, excitement and joy. Don't worry, I'll only give him one week. And I'm not going to tell you which week it is, so you can't shirk out on it. All right. Let's let our light shine this week. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you again very, very much for, um, man, what a powerful thing this miniseries ended up being. Uh, even to me, I didn't anticipate it. And, but God, you have spoken to me. You've challenged me. And I pray it's been the same for these guys too. Just to serve as that perfect bridge to close out summer, to begin school. And now it's their turn. Now it is their turn to live peculiar. To be particularly special. To show that they belong and are owned by the King. So let them do it, God. Convict them the rest of the day. And if there's someone here who they're not willing to, to let go, they're not willing to surrender completely to you, I pray you wouldn't give them a bit of rest today until they do. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for this book. I thank you so much for these kids. Thank you for these leaders. Thank you for this ministry. You are good. And I'm excited for this fall, and I'm excited for everything you're going to do here in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.